Um, so today we are wrapping up a series that we've been in for about five weeks um, called For Us, where we've talked about in uh, Romans 8, zooming in on where it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And there's all these frameworks for God that people use and they bring into the conversation. Um, good frameworks like um, king, father, judge, places in, in scripture where it uses the language of husband or spouse. Um, and these, these kind of like sweet images where it, it's like um, maybe turning like a gym in someone's hand looking, looking at this beautiful thing from all these different angles. And one of the things that I, I want to dive in today is just, it's a place that my heart kind of goes to naturally and lives. And, um, and for the sake of having too much to cover in too short amount of time, I'm just going to jump in. And uh, it, when Jesus has his disciples together, um, John uh, puts this conversation uh, in their last night together before the crucifixion. And in John 15, um, starting in verse 9, Jesus has this fantastic um, piece of scripture. By the way, I would highly recommend, um, this is a good one to memorize. Uh, if you're like, what do I do um, next kind of in my walk with Jesus? Where can I start? I would go to John 15 and just start memorizing um, the bits and pieces of the verses until you get as far as you can, as much as you can, and let that sink down into your heart and kind of change you. John 15 is a great place. But in verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in me or remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Today, I want to talk about Jesus being for us as our friend. That Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, I want to reorient the way that you think about your relationship with God. I want to change the framework from servant to friends. You know, we, we think back at the, at the first few pages of our Bible, and when our first parents sinned and hide from God, it says that they, they heard God doing what in the garden? Anybody remember? Walking, walking. That that morning, God showed up to walk with his friends and found them hiding. And he has taken the long walk from heaven all the way to earth, leaving behind his glory, wrapping himself in flesh, living as a human with all of our weakness and human experiences and trouble and difficulty and suffering and pain so that he could walk with his friends again. God is looking for friends. And he wants to know who's up for it because he's giving open hands. I'm here looking for friends. 
Is, is that a framework that you can kind of pull in to how you think about God? One of our challenges with that, I think, is that friendship is in general on the decline in our culture. Um, a, a study, is especially done among men um, in, in America, since 2006, um, up to last year, I believe, shows that if they were asking men to name how many close friends do you have in your life. And since 2006, that number has dropped by half. By half. That's not that long a period of time, folks. And it, it, at least the guys in our culture are saying they have half as many friends, close friends, as they did less than 20 years ago. Less than 20 years ago. And so I wonder, when we say God as friend, or G Jesus, God in the flesh, coming to us as friends, maybe one of the mistakes that we make, or one of the weaknesses that we could fall into, is that we could take our understanding of what it means to be a friend, which is apparently quite limited, quite kind of um, weak, and apply that to our relationship with God and say, God wants that with me? I think he probably wants something more than that. In like the early 2000s, like 2002, 2003, in like college world, that's when I was in college, there was a t-shirt that was like super popular. Um, it was is this one. Any of you guys remember um, this t-shirt? The Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt? A couple of people, did anybody own one of those t-shirts? Was this mostly like a Florida, Georgia thing? We, okay, we got one over here. All right. Um, and this is, the, look, and, and like, is this, this is not bad. Like, I don't think this is bad. And I think that maybe the heart there is to talk differently about like, is, is God this like angry person up there? Um, no, he's, he's close, you know, he's close and he's approachable. But there is something still kind of missing here, right? I mean, this is kind of like, last week we talked about uh, relationships that are high invitation and high challenge as being the place of transformation, um, but we, we kind of named last week the place of high invitation, like high love, high trust, but low challenge as, I think I called it the hangout buddy. I, th I think I called it the hangout buddy. And I wonder if that that's where w most of our experience of friendship can kind of just land there. And when we take that into our relationship with God and we say, Jesus wants to be your friend, maybe what we, uh, the best image we have is, you mean he just kind of wants to be my hangout buddy? I mean, no. <laughs> yes. But no. Not, not just that. It's like friend-zoning Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, and I know this is maybe not the best analogy, but did anybody else in here, and not me either, ever have a girl that you liked that turned you down? Never happened. And I remember, oh my gosh, um, Karen Henderson. Should I say her name? This is going on the internet. Oh my gosh, guys, listen, oh, this is gonna take too long. I was on a mission trip from Florida, and we went on a mission trip. This is, we took our mission trips to Poplar Bluff, Missouri. It was like we looked at a map, and we were like, where do they know Jesus the least in the whole country? Southeast Missouri, right? And we drove, and we, was, and we came up, and, and I developed one of my first crushes ever. And on, on this trip, on the way home, I finally worked up the nerve. Maybe I passed her a note on the bus or something like that. And, um, and, and I asked her if she would go out with me, and she gave me a hug and said no. <laughs> I got friend-zoned by Karen, and I'm not bitter, which is the best part that I've totally gotten over that. And, um, and anyway, so like Jesus, I think he wants more... More than that, just, um, just a list 
I just made a quick list of most of, not all of, the places where it talks about Jesus um, being called someone's friend. And places where he, call, he names them as, as friend. Um, Matthew 11, the son of man, he's talking about himself, came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So you may be wondering, could Jesus be my friend? I'm a mess. Or could Jesus be this person's friend? I don't think their life is up to the standard. And if Jesus is to be believed, he wants to be their friend. He wants to pull them close. Um, Next, uh, Matthew 26 Jesus has eaten dinner, the Last Supper, with his disciples. He has gone to the garden to pray, and one of them has snuck out, named Judas, to go get a group of people with swords and torches and come find Jesus in a garden to betray him so that he will be murdered. And in verse 50, Jesus replied, this is to Judas, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. That Jesus is so committed in his friendships that someone can be betraying him actively and he can still look on them with love. That that's the kind of friendship that that we're talking about when Jesus says, I want to be your friend. Um, This is a fun one. Luke 5, um, maybe a a somewhat famous story. Jesus is teaching in in a home, and uh, and there's a group of people that want to get their paralyzed friend um, to Jesus, and they can't get to him, and so they literally rip holes in the roof that's made out of, like, dirt and mud and, like, thatch roof, and they lower this paralyzed guy down, and in Luke 5, verse 20, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, Your sins are forgiven. And if we could leave that one up for just a second. The the Greek word here is a little different than the other ones. This is anthropos. Anybody want to take a guess at how we translate the word anthropos most directly? Anthropos, anybody? Man. It's man. Anthropology, right? And so literally they dig a hole in the roof and they drop this guy down in front of Jesus while he's teaching. He goes, hey man. (laughs) Your sins are forgiven. (laughs) That Jesus is open to the desperate and he wants to address our deepest need in the space of friendship. Um, In uh, John 11, he's got word that one of his closest and dearest friends, Lazarus, has died. It says, after this, he said, after this, he, he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going there to wake him up. That when Jesus' friends get in trouble, he's not done with them. He shows up to do something about their trouble, even if it means staring death itself down. And um, this is probably my favorite, John 21. This is after the resurrection, after his disciples have deserted Jesus and rejected him, denied that they know him, and, and Jesus gets murdered on a hilltop, and, um, and then there's the resurrection, and everyone's seriously confused, and the disciples are all kinds of disoriented, and they go out to fish on the lake that they've been fishing on their entire life, and they catch nothing that night. Do you know how incredibly frustrated they are? Stayed up all night. They're professional fishermen. They caught zero fish. And in John 21, Jesus stands on the shore. He calls out to them, friends, don't you have any fish? No, 
they answered. And the word, the word there, um, pedion, when he says friends, is interesting. Um, it literally means children. Children. He's totally messing with his friends. He's like, hey, kids, that's super cute. You guys are out there. Did you catch anything? And when they show up to the shore, the words of the risen Christ to his friends are come and have breakfast. That the risen Christ doesn't start with everything you did wrong and everything you need to change. We get to high challenge, but the words of the risen Christ to his friends are come and have breakfast. I've taken care of everything. We can just sit down and eat together. And in John 15, when Jesus um, is talking about this, he contrasts the friend view, way of relating to God with being a servant, a servant. He says, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. Just a way of maybe contrasting servant and friend. Think about a, a servant is someone who their relationship is based on what they produce, it is completely, in a sense, the servant is a product itself. The, the consumeristic, they're only valuable based on how hard they work, based on how much they stay in line, based on what they do for the master. And Jesus says, we're setting that whole framework aside. I'm extending friendship to you. Maybe you've heard the phrase, friends are the family we choose. Jesus is offering us a relationship that he chooses. He just chooses to be your friend. And he wants to know if you're going to choose him back. The, the word there that we've been talking about, friend, is filio, which is one of the words for love. This isn't just hangout, buddy. This is a relationship of committed love between two people that are choosing to be in relationship with the other, and it's interesting, like we talked about last week, this is a high challenge kind of relationship. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, you may balk at that and be like, that doesn't sound like friendship. Well, maybe not the kind of friendship we're good at. Maybe it's a better kind of friendship. And Jesus is so committed to you that he left heaven for you, that he died for you, that he is opening himself up to you. And he is not just asking for a hangout buddy back, he is asking for commitment back. We could call that love. All love comes with commitment. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And he wants to know not just, will you like acknowledge me if we're in the same room? Will he be like, yeah, I know that guy. You know, will you click yes, I know him if I friend you on Facebook? We're not talking about that kind of thing. We're talking about will you decide to commit to me the way I've committed to you because I want to walk with you. I want to be your friend. But it's, it's going to take you signing up to say, I want to be responsive to your commands. You know, that's a dual relationship. We, know how, we have to know how to be friends with a king, to be how to be friends with a father, how to be friends with the Holy One who spoke atoms and time and light and the earth into existence. He wants to be your friend but he's asking for commitment because he's committed to you. Um, I, I wanted to show you a, a video, uh, heads up, this is about nine minutes long, um, and it is me talking to one of my favorite people in the world. So I, I was thinking um, 
about how a few weeks ago we interviewed someone who is a good advocate for people when we were talking about Jesus's advocate. And last week we were talking about Jesus's coach and we interviewed um, Coach Tom Matukowitz. And this week I wanted to interview a good friend um, and kind of get that take on things and uh, and perspective. Wait, we're friends? Yeah, well, unfortunately, you have to put up with me for a long, a long time. And so Trevor and I have been friends from middle school to high school to we went to the same college and we um, were on staff at the same church there. And we were tag team partners in the same backyard wrestling thing. Yes. We, we wrote children's sketches sketches <laughs> together and i mean we, we went to the same seminary different times do you hear um, all the things you're saying like these things do not go together but that's okay <laughs> um and uh we have a lot of overlapping friendships and um anyway mm -hmm. um, trevor's the best so um trev what do you think has contributed to a good friendship like what are the things yeah. that have made that good assuming you think you know, it's good too yes yes yeah so um LaCroix uh, I love you uh, as a church you guys are an awesome church and I love your pastors and I especially love this one I'm talking with here um Ron's pretty cool too but um I just Brett's my longest dearest friend and I love him with all my heart uh so when I'm thinking about what contributes to really good friendship um I was thinking about it earlier today and I think friendships really start with just having certain things in common, like Highlander, um, uh, nerd overlap. Um, yeah. Yeah. but, uh, I think the best and deepest friendships are formed when the, the thing that's that make life the most meaningful and rich when those come into alignment with, when two lives. So I think the thing that has made our friendship, so deep over all these years it's not because either of us are so cool or so special um it's because from a really young age both you and i separately and then we found each other along with our friend jeff we wanted all in on jesus and yeah. that's been the core center of our friendship ever since through all sorts of ups and downs in life and moves and changes different parts of the country that core is the same I know there's uh, the great leader of the tradition we're part of, John Wesley, once said, if your heart's like my heart, then give me your hand. And it's yeah. it's like that. It's, it's like it's been like that since the 90s. Yeah. And um, you're talking about I'm, you're talking about the college church we're part of, Brett. Yeah. So many of those people are still following Jesus. And many of them, like a lot of people in culture, have kind of walked away from church. And some of you have walked away from faith and are deconstructing and all this other stuff and they think if you take jesus out of the center of all these relationships everything stays the same but it doesn't it's right. the core that makes everything matter and I, I think that's if you want to get the deepest friendships i have it's because they have the deepest core yeah 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 and you know we have those overlapping like more shallow things you know we like some of the same football yeah. teams and you know some of the same music and you know i had my um best of youtube vinyl record that i just put, you know, like, but, mm -hmm. um, and the heavy metal vinyl record got you last week too. Yes. I got that one. I haven't yes. played it yet. Um, for, for the kids, but, um, <laughs> and, and it's the new Metallica album. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
it's like if you have the the center, the deepest things, mm-hmm. the shallower things find their place. They find their overlap. Yeah. You know, but if you yeah. only have the the like the the entry level stuff, it yeah. the friendship doesn't necessarily stay. Right. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about was the um just the sheer amount of time that we've put in. Mm-hmm. Um and I know that different life stages, you know, we have different time available to us, but um but the amount of time we spent like constructing like the the base of our friendship i mean right. i don't i can't even calculate the number of hours yeah yeah you know, i've heard that old adage that intimacy takes time yeah like quantity and quality yeah it's yeah it's true in any relationship yeah, yeah. and i'd say it's true with us uh and there's also been a lot of fun like we haven't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's been um it, it hasn't all been serious like there's no. been there's been a lot of s- joyful stupidity yeah like in the mix like a good a good friend will come and bail you out of jail but a great friend will be in there with you yes, kind of a that's thing. right uh-huh. <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> yeah that's well there was at least one time where we came really close to that yeah. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it's probably not the time to go into detail, but um, no. <laughs> so what? Do, what do you think are some of the things that prevent good friendships, like the get the barriers that get in the way? Um, I think the great friendships, just like any great partnership and relationship, great friendships are made out of great forgivers. Yeah. And when we, because we're people, we're gonna ding each other, we're gonna hurt each other, we're gonna get offended at something. And, um, I, you know, Brett, I think our friendship is super deep because whenever we've had a season like that, we, we were able to talk openly about things and that actually didn't hurt the friendship. It made it deeper when you get on the other side of that because mm-hmm. it builds trust. Mm-hmm. And so it takes more than just open and honesty of like, yeah, there's no secrets between us. Right. But it's also, you know, to be able to be totally honest about some of these things and, when you, you become a great forgiver of each other, that makes a really deep friendship because you know you yeah, can yeah. trust people at that level. But that vulnerability was earned, you know, I and I can think of times that you have particularly gone out of your way to love me well um, that gain trust. You, you know, like that that's that's another that's another layer in the yeah. in the building of the friendship. And so it's that extension of I'm going to go out of my way for you. I'm going to choose yeah. to love you sacrificially in a way yeah. that puts trust in, like in the bank. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking it's like deposits in the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom and dad always used to teach me about being a being a friend. That in order to have a friend, you have to be a friend. Right. And it, that kind of speaks to what you're saying is you make these deposits in a in a relationship bank, and then it pays off later mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. So yeah. how has, if you hear about, um, you're also a pastor, um, as you, <laughs> and a follower of Jesus more importantly, but you've, <laughs> if, if, yeah. If you think about Jesus describing himself as our friend wants to mm-hmm. be our friend, how has being in some strong friendships, how does that impact your view of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe mm-hmm. in a way that other folks m- might not, might be missing out on or could, could grow in. Mm-hmm. 
That's a great question. Um, I think everybody has certain ways that they relate to Jesus more naturally than others. Um, like some yeah. uh, relate to God, especially through God the Father, as a fatherly figure, which is true and good. And um, some relate to him as king and Lord, which is good. Um, I honestly primarily relate to Jesus as my friend. And uh, he's somebody who gives me advice. He's somebody who is always there and for me and on my side. And he's my safe place. Um, somebody who I share the deepest parts of my heart with. I have no secrets with. Um, I we use this axiom around and some of the pastors in our, in our circle. So it's not from me, but I've stolen it is that he's the one who knows me best and loves me most. And that's I think good. that's a, that's a great axiom for friendship. Like I think of David and Jonathan, like yeah. they would say that probably for each other. Yeah. Um, outside of my wife and like my parents, it's you for me. Yeah. And um, you're the people who know me best and yet love me the most. I think yeah. that that's a great picture of friendship and that's who, that's how, I think I'm able to really easily to Jesus's friend because I've had some really awesome friends. That's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a part of shaping that in me for 20 something years. And, um, Same here, it's been a long road, but yeah. a good one. And, mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, I'll, we'll wrap this up, but, um, it's good to see you. I love you and we'll awesome. talk soon. Okay, bud. Love you too. See you, Brett. Bye, LaCroix. Thanks for the chance to get to speak to you all today. You guys are awesome. We're praying for you. So, yeah. Thank you for letting me uh, introduce you to, to one of my, my best friends, dearest people to me in, in the world. Um, and when we're talking about friendship, uh, look, there's all kinds of things that I am not good at and I'm weak on. But dang it, guys, I have had some amazing friends and some, some serious friendships, people that I know that have been in my corner when I have really blown it. And, uh, and so maybe that's been um, a conversation that I feel confident having um, when talking about Jesus as, as friend. Um, and so when he talks about um, he is inviting us into friendship, uh, I want to talk about what builds a friendship. Um, one of the first things that builds a friendship is just enjoyment, that we spend time enjoying each other together. And so do, do you know how to enjoy Jesus with him? Like, do you invite him into the things that you just enjoy? We had a whole series on that a little bit ago called What Do You Love? I'd encourage you to go check that out. But enjoy him. He's your friend. He enjoys you. Let's, let's go there. Um, how about commitment? Uh, friendship requires commitment. I am giving you my commitment. This isn't fickle. I'm not going to throw you away when you stop working for me like I would like some um, cheap flashlight that I bought, you know, in the checkout lane. Like, I'm committed to you. And when something isn't right, I'm going to fix it. I love Trevor said, um, great friendships are made out of great for forgivers. Um, and let me tell you, I have had to forgive that guy so much. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, he's had to forgive me a lot. Um, and uh, great friendships take time. There's just no way around it. Jesus is inviting you to invest in a friendship with him with time over and over and over again. Great friendships take generosity. Like, the, do you have the kind of friends that it, it doesn't matter what you have, they also kind of belong to your friends? Like they could come into your garage and just take your circular saw and send you a text later and be like, hey, I borrowed your saw. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, great friends, it's just like everything I have is just, it's just available to you. And I think that's how it is with Jesus as, as I look around my life. Everything I've got, everything I've got is available to you, Lord. What do you want to do with every bit of this? Uh, how about um, trust and vulnerability? I'm going to give you space where I can address the things about me that even I don't really feel comfortable addressing. I want to invite you into that. Um, and maybe just a few practices. Somebody emailed me this week and just felt like God had put on their heart um, to invite uh, folks to take time like with the Lord's Prayer, maybe. You could um, look up a version of that um, and just take maybe three times a day. Take time with Jesus and pray through the Lord's Prayer, not just for the sake of the rote of it. Find a translation you understand, you know, maybe without the these and the thous and the thys. Um, and just invite Jesus, what do you want to say to me? I want to talk to you. Maybe this is just a framework that I can use um, to talk to you here. You know, there's, there's these people in Scripture that are called the friends of God, like Abraham in the book of Isaiah is named as a friend of God. One of the things that's interesting there is um, that word ahava um, that's translated friend is usually never translated friend. It's usually translated lover. That when God says, he's my friend, the translators get a little squeamish. And they back off. Almost every other time, it's translated lover. That that God has given his heart to his friend Abraham, who's given it in return back to him. Or Abraham, I mean Moses. Um, In Exodus, it says that the Lord spoke with Moses face to face. As a man speaks with a friend like someone that they spend face time with each other, looking at each other, investing in each other. And then I think I just want to remind us of that like high challenge part of our relationship. Like um, in Proverbs um, 24, you know, it says this about friendships. By the way, Proverbs has some good words about friendships. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses that our deepest friendships, we can even bring difficult conversations into it. And it's okay. I can trust you even if you have something to say to me that I don't like. And we can invite Jesus into that kind of relationship with us. Jesus, I want you to speak to me, even if I'm not gonna like it. Heads up. I'm already gonna trust you. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Jesus wants to be your friend. The question is, is do you want him to be yours? Maybe take some time. Maybe invest in it. Because he's taken a long walk from heaven all the way to the cross to offer you that kind of commitment. Just wanted to wrap up the series by reminding us that God is for us. God is for us. He's not against us, he's for us. And in Romans 8, it says, what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God, 
and is also interceding for us. If there's anything I want you to know, it's that God is with you, he is for you, and he is inviting you to be with him and for him out of love. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, would you like stir our hearts to respond to you, not as like some far off distant idea, but as someone who draws us close, someone who is for us, who prays for us, who advocates for us, who, who coaches us, who is our friend, that we would know you because you know us most and love us the best. We want that to be said of our lives for how we relate to you, Jesus, that we would know you most and love you best. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. We're so glad you tuned in today. If you like this video, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and share it with anyone you think could benefit. We're excited about all the content we have coming up and can't wait for you to see it. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out. If you're curious about LaCroix or if you're looking to take the next step on your journey with Jesus, check out LaCroixChurch.org. We hope to see you again soon.